You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare Church, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Today on our Harbor City campus, we are delighted to hear from our special guests, Pastors James and Terry Kraft, as they share a message called Life Unplugged. For more information about their ministry, you can visit them online at jamesandterrycraft.com. How many of you wish you, you brought more people Friday night after what you heard? Yeah, I know. Some of you came up to me and said, Pastor, we need to do this once a month. And um, I'm taking you up on that. We're going we're gonna to pray on that and see how, how God works. But there's a real need, I believe, in the body of Christ to really talk openly and, if you, if you allow me to say it this way, vulnerably about issues that we're all struggling with. And listen, our church is not about just having, you know, a, a practicing religion. We are all about relationship to Jesus. That's the most important relationship with you, you can have, right? But just as important is our relationships with each other. And so James and Terry, Pastor James and Terry, come to us. Um, they come to us as, you know, four-square pastors. They come to us as coaches and those who have helped others in the arena of recovery and restoration of relationships. They work with a lot of married couples. They work with a lot of leaders in um, well, all over the body of Christ. They have a story um, that they'll probably share a little bit with you today about uh, where it was just, you know, brokenness and addiction and betrayal and loss and hope and healing and restoration. And that's where we want to land today is because we believe that there is hope for whatever situation that you're facing that needs restoration today. How many of you know that that relationships in our lives, that there's, there's some relationship in our life that could use a little restoration. Just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Husbands and wives in the room, today you're going to be blessed by what they have to offer. Singles in the house, you're going to be blessed by what they have to offer today. Um, James and Terry, I was thinking about this, James, today, uh, how Jesus, when he, when he started his ministry, he talked about how the gospel that he came to preach, he came to preach under the anointing of the Spirit, and he, want to, he came to preach a gospel for the poor, but it's, he also talks about it as a gospel that heals the brokenhearted, that restores people, that sets the captive free. If the gospel that we preach is not doing that, we might not be preaching the gospel. And so I'm really happy to say that the gospel that, uh, that James and Terry bring is a gospel of restoration and hope and healing, and you're going to be really blessed today by their ministry. So tell the person next to you, get ready. Open up your heart. Take out your notes, right? Just get engaged. And I want, you know, I'm trying to create the culture in our church where, because if you're engaged in what is happening up here, the more you're going to learn. So feel free to say amen. amen. Feel free to say, yes, pastor, preach it. <laughs> feel free to say, pull the cover off that devil. <laughs> Just kidding. I know some of you grew up in churches like that. Just, yeah. <laughs> But let's, let's just open our hearts wide today to receive from Pastor James and Terry Kraft. They, are one, they brought their young daughter, Grace, today. They have, a, they have three beautiful daughters, and um, 20, 13, 16 and 13. Grace, you're 13? 12. She's almost 13. All right. Not just yet. Not yet. We want to keep you young, as young as possible, yes. <laughs> and uh, let's give a warm new life welcome to Pastor James and Terry as they come. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to be here with you good guys morning. today. Good morning. 
Wow. You know, no, come on. Good morning. We can have, let's be alive here. You know, I, I want to say thank you to, when we come in here, I, I just, I'm so thankful that you guys have pastors like Ken and Lynn. I just walk in and they just beam with life. And I, I mean, know. and it's not fake. That's not fake, you guys. That's the real deal. Okay. Can I just say it's a blessing because you're not having pastors who are putting on a show. And they're not coming in and saying, hey, let me give you my A game on Sunday, and then Monday I have my go to my B game. You know, now, do they go through struggles? Yeah, they go through struggles. Uh, who doesn't go through struggles? Well, I don't know your struggles, but, you know, I'm saying we're human <laughs> beings. Um, but I also want to say thank you for all those who serve here. We walked in here, and I counted. I, I do this. I'm a pastor, okay? I counted ten different times before I got to the first row here of people greeting me. Okay, 10 different times. Can I just say to you, that is not normal in the in local church. Can I just say that? So pastors, be encouraged by that. And I also want to say thank you to the guy who brought our stools out. Now, I was cheating. I had my eyes open, okay, and uh, he was bringing it. But you don't see that kind of stuff, you know, of guys who are doing the work behind the scenes. And What's his name? Who, who did, John? John, was it John, the worship leader? Dude, you're awesome. I just want to say thank you. You know, because, oh, there you are in the back. And I did almost see you fall, but it's okay, all right? And so, <laughs> but, you know, I just want to acknowledge. What's that? He dropped over almost a cord, yeah. yes, you know. It was probably his cord. Uh, but I just tell you, you don't see a lot of that. And in a church where it's not just the pastors who are doing 90% of the work, you know, and the congregation is doing 10%. You have the body of Christ doing the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen on that? And so I get really excited about that and that we get to come and be a part of that with you today. And so, but my name is James. This is my wife, Terry. Uh, we are celebrating 27 years of marriage this July. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Yeah, right on. That's right. And I told everybody uh, on, on Friday... It's our anniversary is 7-11. If I, if I forget that one, I'm in deep trouble, okay? Uh, but we go and get Slurpees on our anniversary at 7-11 because it's free, and I hate them. I hate Slurpees with all my heart, and so does Me she. Too. It gives us a headache and everything, but we, we do, it do it because it's free. We don't do it like every year, but no. when we can. We, we have some fun doing it, you it's know. Kind of so. a, it's kind of a tradition. Yeah, just it is a tradition. Just because we're on 7-11, but we never, we never forget it because it's, it's right there. It's fun. It's a fun. But 27 years, yeah. and can I just tell you, our 27 years have been just filled with an incredible story. Now, our story, if you go to any movie, we went and watched Captain Marvel last night, you know, and we were sitting there, and we're just intrigued by this woman, you know, kicking some butt. Is that okay to say that here, all right? And I was like, right on, because I got four girls at home, my wife, my three daughters. I'm like, right on, girl, girl power. And so I was having so much fun watching it, but stories always have the highs and the lows, and then you have a resolve, Okay, but you got to have the tension in there. You got to have there's a good gonna make a good story. And let me just tell you, if you want to talk about our story, we got a good story. Um, we don't want to repeat part of our story. We made it through that by the grace of God. But there is a grace that it carried us through, so that one we can have a greater impact in this world through our story. Let me just say to you today, every person here has a story. Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, "You got a story." Come on, you got a story. All right. Now, let me just tell you, many of us here were ashamed of our story. Our story lays dormant down into the depth of our soul so that one, no one will know the true story of who you are. 
because you might think you're a fraud or you're embarrassed at what might have happened. And today, I believe the Lord wants to start and have a new beginning in your life. Today, God wants to start and have a new beginning right where you're at. And so we just want to, you to walk through a journey with us as we even share our own story, and we can process that with you. So is that, is that okay? Absolutely. Good job. Uh, thank you very much. Well, yeah. we, live, we live in the, the um, East Ventura County area, the Thousand Oaks area, and uh, it was a beautiful day coming in. Not, not so great on Friday. It took us just two hours and 45 minutes to get down here on Friday. <laughs> okay. Uh, 55 minutes to get down here this morning. You know, it was great. Wow. <laughs> But we almost ran out of gas. But it was such a beautiful day coming in. And James, I'm just going to reiterate really quickly just the the life that you have in your church. And I, when when um, the pastor was talking about just all the good things and the and the life that really is is being communicated to community to your community as well, I believe it's a prophetic outpouring. Um, and I really felt like that when I was sitting there that the Lord was saying there is new life here, and that that it's not only just a word that that kind of um, you know, punctuates your community, but it is who you are. Mm-hmm. And so we testify to you today as people coming in from the outside that you are um, being an example, a tangible representation of new life yeah. uh, to the community. And I'm telling you, um, and I'm sure that all of you guys, when you think about your stories and, and we think about ours, we need new life. That's right. All of us, we need new life when we're walking through the depths of trials or when we're walking along someone beside someone who is walking in the depths of trials, mm-hmm. or we just need hope. Um, it's that new life that, that brings right. us to that point of going, yes, we can keep taking one step at a time. Right. And I know that in a room this size, uh, that, that uh, there's probably some people here who, like myself, can raise your hand really high and say, I've got a big T testimony, which means, yes, I can, I'm on the other side of it, and now I can see the, the beauty for the, from the ashes, right? So I'm sure there's plenty of people in the room who can say that. But I also believe, and probably if I was to listen to all of your stories, know that there's people in this room who are also saying, hey, I'm in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling the depth of it, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering when my, my answered prayer is going to come. And I want you to know that I see you yeah. and that we see you. And that we don't ever want to walk by that and not um, just affirm and just give a validation to where you're at. Yeah. Because sometimes we do find ourselves in hard places and the Lord loves us. And that's why it's so great to have an opportunity this morning to come into a place where we say new life yeah. is possible. Yeah. And I want to really encourage you as well. James and I, we speak, and it's funny because usually when we speak, there's a couple of reactions within the congregations. There's, you know, one of them is like we leave and they go, wow, you just like set up this whole like big, huge firestorm. Because a lot of times our story kind of brings up stuff in people's lives. And what I'm going to encourage you as a congregation, as a friend, just a friend, an outside, um, I'm I'm an ordained Foursquare pastor, so I'm part of this family. But I'm, I, but I'm, but we worship at a different church, but we're all part of the same family. Is that let today be a day that if you do feel a stirring in your heart, that it be a a step forward and a commitment to new life in, in Christ. Yeah. That there's nothing impossible with Him, and I'm the one saying this because I felt my life was over a number of years ago, and I thought I don't even know if I can breathe again, and here here I stand. As a testimony to the Lord. And so there is new life. There is new hope. And our message, James and my message, when we travel and speak and we work, 
people laugh at us within our denomination. They're like, where have you been? Other than we know you speak, but where have you been? And we're like, we've been sitting in our house, either in the garage with a group of guys or at the computer or at, um, in, in our living room with people one-on-one and in small groups saying we're going to change the course of the generations one person at a time. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, we have found it more profound than any, anything we've ever done. It's not as glamorous, maybe, but it is profound. So if you're sitting in this room and you're sitting next to somebody, you have a ministry. That's right. And I'm going to encourage you in it. And our message is simply this. There is hope, and you are not alone. That's right. And that is is pretty much the the A and Z to, to our story. Well, I found, and I don't, I don't know that we, on Friday we, sh- we shared a little clip of our story from the Conquer series. Um, I don't know that we have that. Is that worth doing? No. Maybe not? Nope. Okay. Uh, there is hope and you're not alone. <laughs> but I found myself on the receiving end of a, uh, a confession about seven years ago that, you know, we're, we're big mega church pastors and our family's thriving. We're living in Hawaii and, and um, of, of both betrayal and a marriage betrayal and um, addiction, and I felt I, our whole family felt like we were we were we were done for. And I know there's somebody sitting in here who probably feels the same way or have has ever felt that way. Like mm-hmm. this is it, like I'm done. Yeah. I don't I don't even know if I can make it. And the Lord whispered into my heart as a reminder of something I was reading in His Word just just days before, um, and He said to me. I will restore all. And I thought, okay, great. He's going to restore everything exactly how it was. But what he showed us along the way was he wanted to restore something that he had in mind from the very beginning and that I had distorted based upon my insecurities and and maybe some of the things that that I thought was important or that identified me. And so we went on a journey of recovery. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that today woven around a gospel message. But we went on a, on a journey, and it took one day at a time, mm-hmm. 100% surrendered to the Lord, completely going, I don't even know what is going on. You know, it was like blood, sweat, and tears are flying around our house. Our girls can testify to this. We don't even have it completely all together to this day, right, because we're in restoration. We're meeting Jesus face-to-face someday, and sometimes we wake up and we have bad days. But we know that there is hope mm-hmm. and that we're not alone. That's right. Yeah. Well, some of you might have just taken the, that air just got sucked right out of your lungs, and you think, um, okay, uh, but marriage betrayal, okay, there was an affair, there is an addiction, that addiction was to pornography, um, and you were pastors of mega church. Yes, we were a church about ten thousand people, and so all of those things were just swirled into one. And when all of this came out, it was devastating. It was devastating. Uh, to everyone involved. You know, I have my youngest daughter here who was not exempt from the devastation. You know, every one of the Kraft family, our family, had to work through pain, deep, deep pain. And so we walked through. So when Terry says that, it's not lightly that we say that. It's not something that we just kind of throw out there and say, here is an illustration. No, it's our story. It's our story that we get to tell together. And that's why we speak together most of the time, is that we can share our story from a two perspectives. Because it's important to hear from my wife to say, you know what, we work through it, not just James had to go work on his stuff. 
We work through it. Then there's times where I get to look at my wife and say, wow, you stood there and you were able to receive what the Holy Spirit was doing in you so that you could receive me. And so it was a real powerful process, you know, but sometimes we just don't get confused by brokenness. We think brokenness equates to disqualification, okay? Some of you here, if not most, if not all, are broken in all in one area of your life or another. And we think that our brokenness defines us as disqualified in our life. Well, I can't do that because I have done this. See, God wants to identify exactly where you're at, and he wants to start something new in you. But you just have to be willing, just have enough nerve to jump on that line and say, I'm ready to go. See, we went through this process, and, when, and I was exposed. It wasn't like I came out and confessed. I exposed all of it because I, I came out and confessed because I knew that I was being exposed. And I remember going home that first day to share it with Terry. I mean, everything inside of me. I was finally, everything that I tried to hide my whole life of who I was. I grew up in an evangelical Christian home, and we believe that rules kind of trumped relationships. Do as you say, as the Bible says, and you'll be good and accepted and loved. Well, I lived that way. So I kept everything under wraps, you know, and we didn't talk about stuff like that. It wasn't topic of conversation and so we kept everything looking really good on the outside while on the inside all hell was breaking loose I couldn't contain it anymore and it felt like a coke bottle was being shook my whole life and then boom it exploded okay now I know that that might relate to a lot of you here and you're and you're sitting very still and you're thinking I hope no one looks at me because the shame in our lives keeps us into a place where you feel dirty and bad I'm bad and God says, no, I love you right where you're at. I just don't want you to stay there. I want to walk you through a healing process. And so we did. We went on a year-long process with Dr. Ted and Diane Roberts. They are amazing. Every single day, we spent four to six hours a day on our recovery for one year straight. 46 hours. We depleted our whole retirement, poured all our resources into this because we knew this. If we can't go to the place of restoration and healing in our lives, you know what? All the stuff that we have is not worth it. It's not worth anything. This is a number in a checking account. So we knew that we had to pour our lives into it, and so we did. And so many people, would, you'd hear this saying, is you, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, you couldn't, because on the outside, James looked really good. You know, and, and on the, from, from up here, you would see me, and I was so very loving and kind, and hey, let's go build a church. And I really had a heart for that. I had a passion for the lost, because I can connect somehow with the brokenness of the world, because I was deeply broken. Now my brokenness is connected through empathy rather than guilt and shame. And so it was a profound time that God shifted in me. And so it was exciting to see how God worked us through that process. Some of you here today, I would love for you just to open your heart just a little bit to what the Lord has for you. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you have experienced, that you could open your heart just a little bit and let the Holy Spirit come in and touch you right there. Terry and I, we went on a journey, on our healing journey, and we met this woman that really profoundly changed our life forever and ever. She's not alive any longer, but she was in the gospel, and we don't even have her name. We don't have a name for her, but her name doesn't mean much to us right now because someday we will meet her in heaven because we know she's there. But we connected with this woman so deeply so that, one, we can have a relationship with Christ like this woman did. 
And so I'd like for you, if you can, open your Bibles. If you have your Bibles or turn on your phones or whatever you got electronically or in paper, um, Luke chapter 7. I'd like for you to turn there. If not, we're going to have it on the screen here so that you can actually follow along and so that you can uh, hear this story. Because we want to, now, we opened up by talking about a story. We want to relate to another story that we see the redemptive work of Christ, okay, in our lives. So let's look at this, and, and let me just kind of set this up real quick. You got to understand, Jesus is being invited to a party, okay, at Simon the Pharisee's house, all right? Now, Simon, I don't like him. Is that okay? I'll love him because I'm called, I'm called to love him. I don't like the guy because he's just totally trying to set up Jesus. And Jesus is cool, calm, and collective. He knows what's going on. He's not a fool. He really understands the reality, but he knows that there's something that needs to be done in this home. And so he's going, he's going to have dinner, and then there's some great impact that people are going to have with Jesus at this time. So let's look at this in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I'm going to go ahead and read here. It says, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a what? A sinful life. Let's say that together, ready? Sinful life. Okay, that's all we know about her. Uh, we can all relate to that because we're all sinners, all right? We're all connected with that, okay? We don't know who, what she's done. In that town, learn that Jesus was eaten at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him um, at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her, with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man would be a, was really a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, I want to stop right there, right there in the Scripture, because I want the Scripture to become alive to you today. We don't want to share just some words out of a text. We want you to connect with how empowering this Scripture is for you today. God wants a new beginning in your life right here, right now. I don't care where you are in your spiritual journey. He wants a new beginning right here, right now. And so as we look at this woman, we can see, I can look at her, there's the, 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 these two people that we can see. We have this woman who's in sin, and then we have this Pharisee, Simon. And both of them were untouchable. Both of these two people, this religious leader was untouchable, and this sinner was untouchable. One, this woman was untouchable because of her sin. And this man was untouchable because he made himself untouchable. That no one could connect with him. That he was holier than thou. And he had God in the flesh in his home. And he couldn't even see it. And we have to see and understand. So Simon the Pharisee, we've got to look at this scripture. Invited Jesus into his house for dinner. Okay, it's probably not a friendly invitation. All right, so he gets there and, and all of a sudden we look at this and we see this woman come in. She's defined by her sinfulness, but she's about to be redefined by her forgiveness. Do you guys hear what I just said there? This is powerful. She's defined by her sinfulness. So we, whatever we are, wherever we have come from, we can be defined by, if people just knew what was in my closet, we can be defined by that, or we can be defined by the cross and what the cross has done for us and the blood of Jesus has done for us and redefine us by forgiveness. Can, we, can I get an amen on that? Come on, this is where we, that's, a, that's an amen. I know it gets really quiet when we preach sometimes. We are like, oh, that's too vulnerable and open and honest. Okay. But can we see the gospel here? The gospel is alive. 
The gospel is empowering. No matter where you come from or no matter what you have done, the gospel is real for you today. Can I hear an amen? amen? This is what we have to see and understand and grasp this. We can see that Simon knows who she is. We can see that in the text. If you know what this woman is, you wouldn't be letting her touch you. You know, I'm, I'm taken back. i got to take a step away from my notes, and, and I have to ask the question, how in the world did this woman get to Jesus' feet? I mean, honestly, you think about it. Here's a woman who's a sinner. Scholars say that she was a prostitute. Can we just, uh, I, we'll just kind of land on that because that's what scholars say. And so this woman comes to this house. She knows that Jesus is there. The war got around. She went to the front door. Simon the Pharisee would probably, yes, he would have a servant there because they would wash the feet, put oil. They, they would take care. There's some customs that they would go through. How in the world did she get past that guy? If they knew who she was, how in the world did she get past the other religious leaders without being stopped and exit, exited out of the building? Because she was a sinful person. How in the world did she get there? Maybe they were a little too familiar with her. I don't know. That's how my mind goes. Maybe they knew her too much. And so she might have been, you know, a provider for them, and they used her. And they're ready to bury her along with Jesus. And Jesus doesn't even think that way. Jesus comes in and just all of a sudden sees this woman falling at his feet in desperate need of his love and forgiveness. Amen? Today, let's let our heart be open in desperate need of the love of Christ in our lives. Well, isn't it great when you can start to see the, the gospel message in a 3D version and kind of put yourself there? Uh, we, all, we often ask people to sort of put yourself in a cinematic um, perspective of, of the gospel, like as if you're watching it. You know, we, we just said we went to the movies, and, and we're so visual. But can you put yourself there? And, you know, it's really interesting because when we read this, um, when we read this uh, uh, Luke 7 in the time of our recovery, see, we'd, we'd read Luke 7. Um, this teaching, James did numerous times before we had our whole crash. But, see, it's different now. It's completely different. Like when, we, when, when I'd watch him before, it was like, wow, you know, that was a really great message. But now it's like it's real. And that's because the, the, the things that we're, that we're binding have fallen, you know, through this vulnerable journey. And it's really interesting because I've seen myself as the sinful woman before. But I've also seen myself as Simon, if I'm going to be completely honest. And there's also been times I'm probably one of those people on the side just, you know, kind of just doing things and observing. Haven't we all been in kind of one of those places before? So there's something for all of us in this message. Right. And it's really interesting because was, she shows us a, very, a few very important things about our journey. So I'm going to flip this back into a sort of a practical um, uh, place in this teaching. And the first thing that, that this woman shows us is, is that she worshipped boldly. Nope. Oh, yeah, there you go. She pursued him boldly. And what's really great about it is she basically, here's a woman who James mentioned, gets herself at the foot of Jesus in a very hostile environment. So we read the word and we're like, it's an agrarian society and they're walking in and they're washing feet. And there's part of that we just kind of don't connect to. But can we put it in our like modern society? Like have we ever felt like we just can't get where we need to go? And it's impossible there's, there's, there's where this lady is. 
And she finds herself at the foot of Jesus. And like James said, it, there, there was a lot of barrier between her circumstances, her place of living, her, her obvious um, uh, maybe place of employment, and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you know what's really crazy is, is that we can read through that and not even think about this beautiful woman, that there might have been uh, oppression in her life, that there might have not have been an option for her. Deep, deep suffering, yeah. deep brokenness. And so yet she finds herself at Jesus. It takes some, some bold, bold action. Yeah, that's right. And you know what one, is one of the one ways that the enemy tries to get all of us not to be where we need to be is by taking the legs out from underneath us and say we can't get there. Yeah. And so sometimes we have to push in in a bold way. People would, would reach out to me when we're going through our recovery. And, like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure in, like, three weeks of life after everything went down, there's probably, like, 50,000 people who knew our story. And it was, like, people are messaging me. People are, like, unfriending me on Facebook and sending me horrible messages and saying, like, I never want to see you again. I'm, like, what did I do? I mean, it was, I can't even explain the excruciating difficulty that it was. But you know what I said? Jesus, you have asked me to walk this out. Because I heard you, and I know you're going to be with me. Mm-hmm. And so not in my house will I allow something that the enemy wants to do. That's right. And I not be boldly saying, I can do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so where did that come from? Because I'm not like that. I'm not. But that was the power of God in me, just to be a little bit, little bit open to that boldness. Yeah. And so she showed us that. And I love that. The second thing is, is that, I'm going to just have you go. She surrendered humbly. And, you know, on our journey, we had to both surrender a whole lot. It, a lot. James especially in, in his just basically the a perception of who he was. And all of a sudden, now I'm, I, I don't even know who I am. Right? Because as a pastor, now you have to, re-under, we have to reimagine your whole life. And it was beautiful to watch that surrender. Well, this woman did the same thing. She surrendered. She got at Jesus' feet, and it says that she's weeping, right? And there's tears, and it gets on his feet. And then she takes her hair, and she's wiping the tears off of his feet. And the feet that had walked a dirty and dusty road, she's weeping. She's humbly putting herself in a position of saying, I don't know. I don't know. And with all of the information swirling around our society on an, any given day, right? We Honestly, you don't have to not know anything anymore. Mm. Uh, or, but the girls and I, we're like, how does this happen? We just, oh, there you had to do it. James, the other day, he goes, how do I put in a, I don't know what you were doing. You're, a new faucet. He was doing a new faucet. <laughs> and he, I mean, we, we Googled how to put up a fence in our backyard, and we did it. <laughs> we, we, we were not construction people. So there is no information that we can't get nowadays. But yet we, we have to surrender to the fact that sometimes we don't know. I did not know. I did not know what was going to happen in our marriage. It was like we started this journey, and all of a sudden it was like, I don't know. Well, the Lord woke me up one night, and he said, you know, you are my, you are my dear. One. I, he would always call me these wonderful names in, in my heart. And he said to me, you are my, my, my beloved daughter. And he said, your, your husband has broken covenant with you. And he said, when the time is right, you can ask him or you can, you can re- remind him or, you know, tell him, I guess. <laughs> he can date you again. And I thought, that's interesting. 
So I said, okay. And then he said, and then one day when you feel that you're ready and I'm right there with you, that he can ask you again to marry you. And I thought, okay, that's, that made sense to me because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know, like, at the end of it, people kept asking me, well, are you guys going to stay married? I'm like, I don't know. I can't even breathe. I don't know. All I know is I know Jesus, and I know that he said he's going to be with me. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so he gave me away. He said, guess what? Take one day at a time. And then when you feel comfortable, honey, you can just say to him, you know what? You you can pursue me again, and we can start afresh. And so I remember I told him, and he goes, okay. Let's go. And, we, and we'd walk on the beach. We'd hold hands. And then when we were further down the, ro- the road, I'm like, you know what? I'm ready. We could do this again. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me to marry him again. And we had a, a covenant ceremony. And he'll, he can explain it to you. It was beautiful. But that was a process for me. The Lord brought understanding when I surrendered to it. Yeah. But I didn't know. I couldn't have made that one up on my, on my own. Yeah. And so this lady gave us... She gave us some inspiration on how to do that. Yeah. And that's what the, the gospel message does. The next one is that, uh, the third one is she presented herself honestly. Now, the funny thing is, is when James and I travel all over the nation, we've spoken even in different parts of the world, um, people say, you guys are so honest. <laughs> you, wow, we've been waiting for you all of our life. And I'm thinking, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> but I... I absolutely get it, and I, like, can connect with that immediately because I was pastor's wife for 20 years, and it was like, everything is so good. Everything's good. Everything's so good, but it was not inside. It was not inside, and so I knew that James was struggling. I did not know that he was struggling in the ways he was. I thought he was just struggling with anger because we'd have cycles at home, right? There'd be, like, everything was good, and then there'd be, like, some kind of trigger that would go off. Then it would be like this anger, and then he'd, he'd, he'd you know, just kind of lose it and then isolate. So at that point, I'm like, well, I'm going to bed. So I'd go up to bed, and then, you know, he would, there, he'd be on the Internet or whatever. And then in the morning, there'd be just more anger, more anger. And I didn't know what that anger was. I thought it was, I was doing something wrong. Yeah. And so, and here was a man who was broken inside. I didn't understand that. I didn't know how to connect with that. And so neither of us were living honestly. Mm-hmm. And so honesty and vulnerability is what brought the healing That's to right. our marriage. That's right. And so sometimes in our relationships, we have to be able to get to, with some safe, honest people yeah. to help us learn how to do that. Yeah. So you guys are doing that here, and I'm really excited about that. And the fourth thing that she taught us is, is that she worshiped wholeheartedly. And I, and I love the fact that this woman said, basically, there's nothing more important than my relationship with the one who can change me. There's nothing. So my encouragement to you is right now or when you get home this afternoon or sometime this week, close your eyes. Mm -hmm. And I want you to, to think very deeply and hard about what might be in front of you and freedom. Because when you're not living in it, it's not worth it. Because I'm right here to tell you that I live most of my adult life, at least to this point, not in freedom. Mm. But I didn't have the things that seemed so taboo. Like, of course, everybody goes, oh, yeah, James needed freedom. Yeah, yeah, because he had all these things and, you know, these addictions and stuff. But what's the difference? Mm. Freedom, lack of freedom, the lack of freedom in any 
shape or form is not what Christ wants. He came to set the captives free. All of us, those of us with fear and insecurities, those with us with anxiety, those with us with depression, those of us who've been who have been abused and and who have been and just demeaned, those of us who have addictions or those of us who are suffering. He came for us all for freedom. That's right. And so she shows us a pathway to see that come to pass. That's right. Whew. Can she just keep on preaching? Is that okay? <laughs> you keep on going, girl. Keep on going. Woo. Man, oh, man. I'm sitting there like, uh-huh, I'm ready to start taking notes myself. So <laughs> this is good stuff. Well, and, and it's true because, you know, in Romans 12, we talk about this. We see that, in our, um, that we offer ourselves to God as an act of worship, and then he transforms us into a new person. Okay, but you've got to understand something here. We don't confess and repent in order to somehow earn forgiveness. We don't come to church, and right before worship, before we raise our hands, oh, God, forgive me, and then I can worship. Okay, you got to understand something here. We confess and repent and change our ways because we have already been forgiven. Can I hear an amen on that? The cross was once and for all. Okay, this is it. But we have to be receptive to that and receive that and humble and say, Lord, restore my life. And restoration is a process. I was talking to a, a gentleman the other day, and he, he re, um, uh, restores old classic Italian cars that sell for a quarter of a million dollars each. I'm like, they sell what? I was blown away by this. I said, how long is this process? It's, it's extensive. It's long. He goes, it takes a long time to do it. He goes, because we have to go in, and we have to get into the fibers really, to really buff it out, and so on. So I don't know. I can't use the language. But he was, he was really good at it. And I'm like, Wow. Lord, this is what you're all about. See, in my relationship with Terry, I didn't know how to do it. I was like, God help me. I'm trying to keep it all together so that, one, we can stay together. So we can stay together. And it's like, we can stay together. Let's be happy. And God says, James, stop trying. Stop trying so hard. What are you doing? You're killing yourself. But God, I know you love me, but I had to push him away in his love. Because I, there's no way, if I, if I receive the love of Christ, then that would mean that I would have to love myself. And I, I was not in a place of loving myself. There's just no way, not for what I've done. And so many of us can relate to that here today. And so we have to see that. And I, I like to kind of dive in and dig in a little bit deeper to this passage before we have to end. Because here in verse 39, it says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this woman... If this woman was, um, uh, if this man was a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she's a sinner. The, the Pharisee only saw her as a sinner who deserved judgment, but Jesus saw this woman as a woman who was in need of forgiveness. May I say to you today that you're in a need. You're in the need of forgiveness right now. Can we just hear? Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Can we just be honest about? It? Can we just put that on the table and realize we all need forgiveness? We don't have to put an act on any longer. Man, I can only imagine the church would be real about themselves. Not to say you go home and blah and blow up all over the place and vomit it all over everybody because everybody else is stinking. You would feel good. Don't do that, okay? Do it the proper way. Bring spiritual leaders and say, hey, I need to walk through this process. I need help. I need help. I was too prideful and too scared to ever ask for help. Because if I shared that I needed help, then that would mean that I'm weak and that I wasn't a good leader. No, the opposite is true. 
I was weak, and I was a horrible leader in that place because I wasn't asking for help. And God says, James, that's where I'm restoring you. And I love it. I'm so grateful to what he has done in my life. And so it goes on here, and, uh, and it says this in verse 40 uh, and th- through 43. It says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. How arrogant is that, right? He says, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and then the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So he tells this parable, the point of which is that love and forgiveness go hand in hand. Do you guys hear that? Love and forgiveness go hand in hand. See, a lot of times we, I say we, we can come to church, and we can sit in the pew, and we can worship the Lord, but not really accept his love for us because we have not allowed him to forgive us for what we have done. And I'm thinking, oh, but I haven't done what you have done, James. No, but maybe you haven't forgiven somebody God's called you to forgive. Maybe you have held of unforgiveness towards somebody else. Maybe you have cast judgment on someone. Maybe you have had a lie that you've been carrying for so long, and it might be small, but it's still a lie. And the Lord says, I want to forgive you of that. Can I hear an amen? And so he goes on, he says, now this is really where the scripture just comes alive. He's in verse 44 through 47. He says, then he turned towards the woman, and then he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but but she wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Remember, his feet were nasty. Yes, he was Jesus, but he still had stinky feet. He was a human being walking around in dirt all day. They were disgusting. That's why the custom was to wash their feet before they came into the home, okay? And so when he says this, he's making a point. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. See, i got to illustrate this, and so I, I'm, I'm going to have you just... Can you sit right here? Is that okay? Now, because you got to understand the day of the time when Jesus, they would not sit at a table like this and eat. They would literally lounge around like this, and they would eat, and they would have this real casual experience. And some of you are feeling awkward that I'm laying down on stage right now. All right? But get over it. You're okay. You're okay. We're okay. We're all here still. All right? Okay? So, and this is what he would do. He was laying here. Now, now, Ken, can you do me a favor? Can you, can you stand just right over here? And Terry, can you sit on this first step here? Okay? So, Jesus would have been like this and lounging. And so, he, and, and she would have, and, and forgive me. Okay? But she gets to play the role of the sinful woman. Okay? <laughs> It's like, but I'm telling the story, so you're going to have to deal with it, okay? And so, yeah. <laughs> so all of us. Yes, who gets to be Jesus? Yeah, no, it's okay, now, yeah, yes, I get to be Jesus today, all right, because I'm telling the story. All right, and Ken, you get to be, guess who? Simon, Simon the Pharisee, okay? 
All right, so forgive me, you're Simon the Pharisee. All right, so all of a sudden, now the scripture says this, is that Jesus was down here and in the washing of the feet, this humility was taking place from this woman. I mean, just a profound experience right before our eyes. Read the scripture. Don't read it for text. Read it for understanding. Allow the scripture to come alive every time you read it. Because it will, trans- it will transform your life. And so it says this. Now, read the scripture properly. If you do, she washed his feet. There's a lot of emotion here, a lot of emotion. It says he got up, and he, it says this. He turned towards the woman while speaking to Simon. Now, I, I love this because if you put this in perspective, he turns his back on Simon, this pridefulness, and says, Simon, not to say, I'm going to reject you. Don't, don't go there. But he wants him to see something. And he goes, Simon, do you see this woman? I love this. This is the gospel in a nutshell. And I get emotional every time. Every time I share this. Because I experience it. I've experienced it. And I will always experience this. This is the gospel. He turns his back to Simon, the accuser. The accuser of her sin. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Simon, uh, Pastor, do you, see my, do you see my wife? No, you see her. You know, the, the answer is, you see me. You, see, you don't see my wife. You see me, okay? There we go. All right. There we go. I'm going to help you, all right? Thank you. I should have coached you this before this. we did this, all right? All right. Okay, so Simon, you don't see her. All you see is my back. I am covering her. And know what you're looking at now. From now on, from this point forward, you will only see her through me because forgiveness is through me. Do you see this? So as the gospel is being portrayed here, Jesus is a genius. As he lives it out, he doesn't just tell stories. He says, I want you to see something, Simon, right now as you see this woman from now on. No longer will you be accusing accusing her because she has been forgiven of her sins. No longer will you be able to judge her because she has been forgiven for every action of her life. No longer will you be able to isolate her because now you see her through me. You see the back? I'm going to carry the cross for her. And that cross is going to define the rest of her life. My blood will cover her. Isn't that awesome? It's not done, not done. Because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a prelude to what he was showing for eternity. Because now I'm still going to be Jesus, and now you're going to graduate to be God the Father. Is that, is that okay? <laughs> I didn't want to leave today leaving him as Simon. That would be horrible. <laughs> horrible, okay? So on the great day of judgment, God the Father, God the Son, the Son's going to be at the right hand of the Father. Right? That's what scriptures say, right? And all of a sudden... Here, come on up. <laughs> so God the Father is going to look to God the Son and say, Hey, Jesus, tell me about Terry. And Jesus is going to say, Father, you have to see her through me because she accepted me and she accepted forgiveness through me. Now, Jesus, God the Father, is the great judge, guys. He will judge but as we come before him with honesty and vulnerability and truth, Father God is then going to have his son stand right in the middle. Remember what he did on the cross for us. 
It's not just for action to tell a story, guys. It's a, it's a truth that Christ stands in the gap between our, us and the accusers of this world and then us and God the Father. So then all of a sudden, then what's going to happen is that God the Father and God the Son are going to stand side by side and come on in, Terry. Come on in. Come on in and experience life with us. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It's always good to end on God the Father, right? Is that okay? <laughs> Did you hear so many of us have stood in this place with no one to represent you? Here's where Christ stands in the gap now, if you can receive it. And maybe you're in the place where I was, and you just thought, I don't know. I don't know if he can. And I tell you, he can. I was in that place, and finally it took my whole world to come crashing down to realize. I remember I, it was like the week after everything happened. I was out listening to Chris Tomlin. I was out for a run, and I stopped in the middle of the street in Hawaii Kai on Oahu. And I called Terry, and I said, Terry, I, I, I don't know what to say, but I'm just coming to the realization how much God loves me. Her response was hilarious. She's like, duh, you, don't, you finally got that? <laughs> okay, I was she, a little she, mad she, at she the time. She was still angry at me. <laughs> she wanted to kill, still cut my head off, you know. So, um, But the realization of, whoa, God, you love me. Some of you today just need to hear that. That God loves you so much. No matter where you've been, what you've done, even your plans of where you're going. He loves you so much that he wants today to be a day of new beginnings in your life. We just got to allow him to come and stand in the gap for us. But we need to come and worship him. We need to come and submit our hearts to him in such a way for him to meet us there. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. You want me to just conclude? Okay. Hey, you know, I, I'd like for us to just go ahead and close your eyes where you're at. And the worship team, you can just come on up. And I don't want to leave today and miss the opportunity of what God has for all of us. It's heavy on my heart because... I can connect with so many here today. Maybe some of you, you're in addiction to pornography. And if so, you need to contact me later on and see if we can help. Uh, some of you, your marriages are falling apart. And that's where you're going to have to ask for help. You're going to have to ask for help. But some of you right now, you're feeling this despair. What do I do? How do I do this? The first thing is to allow the love of Jesus to touch you right where you're at. If you're going to close your eyes at this time, and, and I'm going to do this not to create a weirdness of where you can't be public. I'm just going to ask there to be an intimate moment right now with you and Jesus. And with every eye closed, if you're here right now and you need the touch of Jesus on your life, and it could be huge, 
situation, or it can be just a small situation where you've been carrying it for so long that it's kept you separate from him. You come to church, you do the right things, but there's still something there that you've been holding on to that you're not allowing to be let go. And today's your day. Today's a new beginning. Today's an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. If that's you right now and you just need that forgiveness of Christ in your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand. And there's hands all over. Just put your hand up. There's hands all over most of the room. Can I just have you lift your other hand? As a little boy or a little girl would raise their hands, the mom and dad, to say, please pick me up. I need you. And would you just allow, as I pray, the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ to touch your heart right where you're at? Today's a day. I'm going to ask you right where you're at. I want you to speak out, Lord. Just go ahead and speak to him right now. Forgive me of forgive me. Just go ahead and speak it out. Just, just whisper it out. You don't need to say it loud enough for the whole room to add here. Just, just speak it out right now. Speak it out. Speak it out. Talk to him. He's listening to you, and he wants to meet you there. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, for every person who's lifting their hands. Lord, this is not a mild moment. Lord, this is a supernatural moment where people are coming to you right now, acknowledging that there has been things in their life that have been separating them from your love. And I pray right now for every single hand and every person that that represents, Lord, I pray that they would experience a fresh outpouring of your spirit in their life. Lord, I pray that there would be a, a, a humility and a, a vulnerability and honesty that would take place here at New Life. God, that you already are stirring up. As Pastor and I were talking, Lord, there's it's a move right now for this in the church. And God, this is a continuation of that. Lord, let this be a continuation today. Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit in such a powerful way. So Lord, transformation, transform lives would take place here and now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just touch them in a sensitivity. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. And I pray right now, God, that you would be king of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just pray right now. As we walk forward, we can walk forward with your peace and your gentleness in our lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Take someone's hand next to you. Everybody take someone's hand next to you. Just go ahead and grab them. I want us to do this because this is important, Terry. You just grab my hand. I want you to grab someone's hand next to you because I want you to realize we cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own. And as I take my wife's hand, we we hold each other's hands different. We hold it like this. It's cool. I like it. But this is our hand grip together. You need to talk to somebody about that. What you just did. We confess our sins before God to receive forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another to receive healing. Healing comes through community. You are wounded in community, but you're also healed in the context of community. So, if you raised your hand earlier, you need to tell somebody else so you're not alone. We are not alone any longer. Amen.
So Jesus, we thank you for every person here today. I pray, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit, unite us together as one. Lord, let this day be marked as a day of new beginnings. Lord, let this day be a day that we would receive your, your, your personal touch on our lives. Lord, let this day be a day that we would know that the accuser can no longer accuse us. But Lord, we have been set free by the cross and your blood. We thank you for this, Lord. We stand together as one, as one family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together and let's worship the Lord. Thanks for listening. For more information about our church, please visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. And feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission.